Welcome to Shine Online with Ellie Swift. I'm your host, marketing and mindset coach, Ellie Swift, here to help you connect with your clients, create life-changing results in your online business, and shine neon bright online. I built a multi-six-figure business in under two years and, more importantly, have supported my clients to get amazing results. My clients have generated five- and six-figure launches, tripled their income, and completely transformed their lives using my signature framework, the Swift Marketing Method. In this podcast, I take you a layer deeper into my business, my life, and my mind. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get started. My guest on the podcast today is my friend, client, and designer, Jackie Norton of White Deer Design. Jackie is a graphic designer turned online design teacher for small business owners. She helps passionate business owners take charge of their business, giving them the skills and confidence they need to create their own incredible visual brand and graphics through her signature program, DIY Design My Biz. Jackie's also the host of the podcast, Design Hacks for DIYers, and loves sharing how good design in business is pivotal to growth and success. Jackie is a new mum, cheesecake lover, and Canva fanatic. We at Team Swift have been fortunate enough to work with Jackie for a number of years, which is why we still gratefully have Jackie in our business. However, nowadays she works solely as the teacher in DIY Design Your Biz, which I recommend to every person wanting to elevate their brand. Jackie is really clever and engaging and She's a designer who thinks about business as a whole, which is one of the things I love most about her. I know you're going to love this episode. In an online world where we really need to stand out, what role does design play for all of us? So what advantage does good design give us? There's so many different parts of business that are important, but design is often that first one. So I think it's really important that that first impression is really, really great and really, really professional. Whether we like it or not, us humans, we tend to do the whole judge a book by its cover. Um, and while I wish that wasn't always true, the fact is that it is. So if your business looks really professional, even not professional, but just looks like you, like stands out in a way that's relevant to you and what you are about and what you what your price point is like your price point can be determined so much just from the way that you look Um, and so just having those things really thought through can be a really big way that helps us just jump out straight away because like even think about it if you hop onto like a website you're, you're trying to choose a dinner dinner restaurant for the evening you'll make so many decisions and so many judgments of that restaurant just from the way that it looks on its menu or its website or its social media. Um, And you're like, 
no, that doesn't look like my vibe. I'm not going to go. Or yes, I really want to go here just from the way that it looks like they could have said, we really suck as a restaurant and they're heading, but you might not have read that yet. You might have been like, oh, this looks groovy. I want to go here for dinner. (laughs) So it's just, we've got to really make sure that we're, we're really taking advantage of that for our businesses because it can be such a pivotal thing. Hey, It's so true. So ultimately it's like, yeah, the eyes are the first thing that, that see it. And I think we could even flip it in some ways around. It's like not necessarily even judging a book by its cover, but it's more just our brains being so savvy. So it's like, cool, seeing this design automatically, you know, associating it with something. It's a little bit like, you know, if I'm looking at say, I don't know, like a fast food outlet, for example, not that I really tend to eat that much fast food, but you can almost instantly know that it's a fast food outlet by the type of design that it has. There's like a genre there. And so just all of those considerations, things that we don't always think about. I really want to come back to that price point part that you said there in a moment, but before I do, I just want to stay kind of high level for a moment. As you know, I talk so much about sustainable business. So, you know, the concept of really focusing on the long game and building out a business that is going to be, you know, for for many of us for life. And I know that for your ideal clients, so many of them are building lifestyle businesses. So businesses that are really reflective of who they are as a human being, as a service-based entrepreneur. So what does it mean then to create a sustainable brand? And I know that that's something that you take into account when you're thinking about branding so that it's not like a, you know, let's just get it up and get it out and we can change it whenever we want to, because that is just the most unproductive use of our time. So what does it mean to have a really sustainable brand and how do we create it? So you've hit the nail on the head there. If you want something that's going to stand the test of time, um, it isn't just something that you've just whipped together for the sake of it. And sometimes that has its place and that's what we need to do. But where we can, it's really important just to sit and to think and to really consider um, really important things like where do we want our business to be in five years time? Is it going to still be like, say you're starting out as photographer, are you planning on doing wedding photography for the next five years or are you just using that as an inlet and then in the next two years you're wanting to move more towards business photography if you do your branding clever you can have your design suit both of those needs instead of being like oh I'm targeting a different person now I need to change it or my business has slightly evolved I need to totally change it and while it is natural for business to evolve beyond what you probably plan um, or anything like that it is it's really important that we think about even as a designer, just my, some of my clients have had come back to me six months later and say, Jackie, this brand doesn't suit me anymore. I'm like, you really should have thought more about that. You should have done the hard work before you got into it. So like the saying of go slow to go fast, because when you when you do that hard work at the start, it's going to just propel you stronger for longer. And the ways that you can kind of help that then be really sustainable for you as you go forward is you, you set these brand rules for yourself. You decide, hey, You've you've done some research, like I want to be attracting these kind of people. I want to stand for this kind of thing. I want to be an upmarket thing or I want to be an affordable kind of brand. And then doing your research around those things and then deciding these are the colors I'm going to use. These are the fonts I'm going to use. These is the logo I'm going to use. And setting yourself a set of brand rules. We call them like a style guide. It's what I teach my students. And what's really important there is it becomes a really easy thing for you to design with going into the future. Like if we're talking about sustainable Having something that's not sustainable is something that you have to think about a lot every single time you make a graphic. Something that's not sustainable is something that stresses you out and 
it puts a lot of angst on you every time you're doing something. But having these rules that you've set for yourself, while sometimes people feel a bit boxed in by them, it actually helps free you to be able to design things easily. So like if if I know, like when I open Canva to design a graphic for my Instagram, I'm pretty much doing nothing except for changing some text and inserting a different photo. Like there's no work that needs to be done because I've got my brand rule set. I've made some templates for myself. Like everything's already there and it's those graphics are then supporting my business rather than taking me away from doing the important stuff in my business and procrastinating because (laughs) so many of my students, I talk to them sometimes and they're spending ages fixing and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking these graphics. And I'm like, is this really going to push you forward in your business or are you just procrastinating here on the hard work? So doing things like that can make sustainable graphics really, really helpful. Do you know what? That's something that I love about you and your work is that you're a designer who, because so often, and I know that you would see this, like I think that every uh, subcontractor is going to be talking about their work as being the most important work to get like things moving forward. Right. But what you're saying is actually like create design that's sustainable. So you don't have to focus on changing your design all the time, but rather you can focus on income generating activities to use, to build your business. And I love that. So it's like your approach is actually let's focus on design. That's going to support you long-term so that you're not wasting all your time and energy always in design. Because no one wants to do that. If you're a photographer, I want you to be taking photos. I don't want you to be sitting on Canva till X o'clock at night because you haven't got everything worked out and you don't understand how design works. So true. And I think that uh, you made such a good point before about, you know, thinking about the long game and being really mindful of what it is that you're wanting to be. I think that there's such a great visioning exercise in that of being able to go, okay, well, if I cast my mind forward, who am I as a coach, creative consultant? Like, what does my business look like? And who am I serving? And thinking about it from a mindset perspective, it's such a great manifestation technique as well, because it's like, well, if you're allowing yourself to go to those places and then you're creating design that reflects the who that you want to become, it's almost similar to like the old um, kind of adage of like dress for the job you want, not the job you have. It's like design for the brand you want, not the brand you have. I know exactly what you mean because thinking about our business and you obviously supporting in our business Every time we create a new product, because obviously the style of our business is that we've got multiple products, but it's so easy to be like, okay, what does the Swift Marketing Mastermind look like? What does the Swift Mindset Method look like? And I do find it freeing in being able to say to you, I'm feeling like we want to play a little bit with the Swift Mindset Method, which we've got coming up again soon. Like I want to add in like a motive or play with something fun. And you're like, awesome. And I don't know if it feels easier for you to add that in because we've already, okay, you're nodding. So I'm going to go with yes. Great. Um, yeah. Rather than, uh, rather than you feeling like, okay, we have to look at this from the ground up. And like, cause you've got such a great suite of colors. And so for a different kind of edge of your brand, we might focus on the more camel color. We might focus on the more purple color. And it's just mm-hmm. having that flexibility and those, those rules kind of set out just means it's, it's so quick for me to design for you because it's like, cool, we're using that font, that color that sparkle over there and we'll add this cool motif on on this one to differentiate it from the other things you're working on. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. So good. Love that so much. Okay. So how do we create differentiation? So, you know, if we open up social media, 
it's so easy for us to be persuaded by other brands. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking about everyone that's listening right now and the questions that they would want to know from you. And comparisonitis is so real, right? And I know that so many of us listening are probably going through and looking at yeah, other coaches that we want to be similar to or other consultants we want to be similar to, screenshotting their styles, going, oh, that's so cool. I want something like that. And before you know it, you're so overwhelmed in design ideas of other brands that you have no idea who you actually are. What are some really practical ways that we can start uncovering our own brand identity and really come back to the essence of what our brand is rather than kind of eyeballing everything else? It can be really tricky and there's just so many beautiful things out there. Part of us just wants to do all of them. Like, oh, I want that font and that cool collage style. And I love Ali's colors, but I love such and such's colors. And I love such and such. No, <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to pick and we've got to stick with those. But to pick in the first place and feel like there's something that's really us and is really unique. The way that I teach my students to think about it is that there's three, a brand should be based around three different circles. Like if you picture a Venn diagram, the first circle is your business values and what you stand for and what you're about. So for example, fast food restaurants, um, they're about food and hunger and red is a color that represents that. And you think about fast food restaurants, they're all red and yellow, pretty much 90% of them are red and yellow because that's the color psychology that goes in with that. And so that's a lot about their messaging. And so for me, my brand is really fun and playful. So I've got really bright and playful kind of colors. They're like purples and pinks and blues and oranges. And so that first circle is really thinking about what do you want to represent? Do you want to be fun? Do you want to be really relaxing? Do you want to be really soothing? Do you want to be really professional and polished or um, really natural and like using really brownie kind of colors and natural greens? So just thinking through that kind of thing is the first circle. The second circle is then who is our audience? Who are the people that we want to work with? Not the people that we could work with or the people that live next door or our mum's best friend, but who are the people, I'm sure you've spoken about this before, but who are the people that we want to work with um, and that we want to work with that we work really well with? Like we don't have to work with everyone. You can be fussy with who you choose to work with. And so create graphics that target that kind of person. I don't put off a stuffy professional vibe at all. And that's in my colours, not in the way that I show off my stories, not in anything that I do. I, I want to be reliable, but that doesn't have to mean stuffy. And yeah. so I've portrayed that in my branding because I don't want to attract clients that are really, um, that really expect that kind of vibe because I need to make sure that that kind of goes back a little bit to the first circle as well. But thinking about who you want to attract, if you are, if you're wanting to attract mums of young kids, it'd be totally different design to a male CEO of a business that has no kids. Like it's just totally different design styles. So thinking about what kind of design your audience will like. And I often suggest people would even just do things like polling their audience on Instagram, which are your favorite of these two color palettes or um, scrolling Pinterest and searching things like if you want to be a feminine brand, searching feminine graphic design or um, beachy graphic design or whatever those things are and starting to see what patterns there are and then talking to your audience and seeing what, seeing what they love. And then the third circle is you. So for a lot of my clients, and I think a lot of your audience as well, Ali, a lot of us are based around us. Like if you work with White Deer, if you work with my course, you're working with Jackie. Like I am the root of it all. And so you're allowed to love your own brand. Um, But where people get caught up in is that they love so many things. Like I love mustard. I've got mustard boots on right now. I got, everything's just mustard. You're wearing a mustard cardigan. And (laughs) I could easily have a brand that's all mustard, but I equally love bright colors and I equally love black and gray. I remember my mom telling me off years ago, being like, Jackie, you only wear black and gray. I'm like, I love it. And it's just, 
all of those are elements of me. And so people get really overwhelmed thinking, I need to include every element of me into my brand, but you don't need to. You're multifaceted and that's a good thing, but your brand doesn't need to be, which is where the three circles come in. Because if you cross over the, your audience, what you want to represent and you, then you're going to find a cross section in there of an overlap of what your audience loves, what you want to be about and what you love. And that's where you can kind of then flesh your brand out from there. And the benefit of that is that no one's going to have the exact same three circles as you. So your brand is going to be unique if you hold on to that tightly and try not to. We want to we want to add our brand to be modern and to be on trend, but we also don't want it to be following the trends and changing with the trends all the time. We want it to be us. And so sitting with those three circles can be a really great way to start with that. I wanted to interrupt this conversation for a moment to share with you my brand new free mindset money making guide. Something I hear a lot is that you know that mindset in business is important, probably because if you are an avid listener here, I preach it so much, (laughs) but you don't actually have the practical action steps to take to support you to upgrade your mindset to match the income and the business that you most want. In this guide, I share with you five mindset challenges that my clients have faced while building their dream businesses and the exact actionable strategies that they've used to level up each time. You can download the step-by-step daily practices that are just as, if not more, important than your marketing and your business strategy, including how to upgrade your morning routine to include an activity that changes the game for your day ahead, and how to anchor back into what matters most and commit to being a rockstar CEO. Jump on over and download it now at elliswift.com forward slash mindset guide. What are your thoughts on like wearing your brand colors? So my personal opinion on this is I love wearing colors that are not my brand colors. I actually think it's so fun to have. um, I lie. There's one time we did remember the time with the purple dress and then we matched the purple dress. That's been amazing. And I love, I love that dress (laughs) that I use as now like my headshot for everything. But other than that, I tend to not wear my brand colors so much. Actually, I'm also kind of lying because I wear camel camel. I wear, but I don't tend to wear that purple color day to day. I wear more like, yeah, mustards and things. And I, I love that. And I, I feel like often my clients get trapped in must wear colors that are my brand colors, must have everything about me that is my brand colors. But I kind of think that's a little bit naff if you feel like you have to do that. What are your thoughts on that? There's no right or wrong answer to this one. Like Mm. I think when you're getting a photo shoot, if you're not going to wear your brand colors, what you wear has to complement your brand colors. 100%. Like if you have like, say, say my, my purple colors, if I didn't have a purple jacket, then I would just wear white and denim or something because it's going to work with my brand colors. I wouldn't wear mustard to my brand photo shoot because that won't complement my brand. But in your everyday to day life, you can do what you can do whatever the heck you like, you know, it's, it's you. And, but even if you're showing up on stories, you don't need to feel pressure to always look exactly like your brand. But at the same time, if you want to, then there are benefits to it because it'll help you to be more recognizable. It will help to like say if I'm on my stories um, and I'm in wearing this pink cardigan that I often wear, then people are just like, oh, that's just, it's just another visual grabber of being like, I can connect, I can understand this is Jackie, this is her colors. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be really 
limiting because as I said, we're multifaceted. It's, it's stupid to only have one brand color, color outfit for your whole wardrobe. That'd yeah. be very easy to work with in terms of everything's <laughs> going to match and everything's always going to look on brand. But the, the, the reality of that is not really <laughs> so totally. don't do that. And I think this is where personality comes into play because I picture that and I'm like, oh, that just sounds so hard and restrictive and limiting. And I just want to play outside of the lines with all of those rules. But like you say, if you're someone who loves your brand color and you're like, I, my brand color is pink and I just want to wear pink all day, every day. Awesome. Amazing. Okay. So I just want to come back to the price point conversation that you touched on in that first question. You said that our brand can determine our price point. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Tell us more. Just tell us more. In my webinars, I often show two pictures of two pizza menus. And one of them is a really takeaway shoppy kind of bright colors, reds and yellows, um, lots of cluttered text, lots of large text, and all of it's kind of there. And what happens is you make split second decisions on what the cost of that pizza is going to be. And also what the quality of that pizza is going to be. Like if you get given two menus, you'll make split second decisions on that. And so we can use that with our branding as well. So if you are a coach that's wanting to charge $1,000 a session, your branding has to look a heck of a lot different to someone who's charging $50 a session because people need to, one, they want to trust that you are worth the price that you're charging. And two, it pre-qualifies you and them. So when I go onto a website and it looks too fancy and I've only got a budget of $10, I'll leave that website, not because I don't think they've got a great service to provide, but because they're not, I'm not their audience. I'm not willing to pay that amount of money for them. So I can kind of, it pre-qualifies your audience. You're like, ah, it, like you expect what you're going into. Like if I clicked on your website, Ali, and it said your coaching was $10, I would be quite confused because your branding doesn't look $10. I would already in my mind be ready for those more expensive prices and I'd be wanting to pay them because you put your full self out there as someone that's going to be worthwhile and worth the money. And so we want to make sure we're using that advantage for our businesses that we're pre-qualifying our audience, that we're speaking without even saying words about what our brand is about, what our price point is, what the value of our product is or our service is. So just like some really practical things around that. So it's often certain types of fonts, less clutter, more white space. Is that what we're talking? You can break the rules here because some brands can look like I I charge a, a relatively premium price and my branding is quite fun and playful, um, but it still looks well thought out, I guess. So it kind of, yes. it, it puts through there, but you're, you're right. Things like... Um, not too playful kind of fonts like fonts have personality we need to use that personality to support our brand not to fight against what we're trying to portray to the world so fonts that are clean and fonts that that say something if you're unsure what a font is saying then just google things like um, professional fonts on pinterest or minimalistic fonts or um, those kind of keywords will help you find what you're looking for if you're unsure of what those kind of things are and like you said white space and by white space we're not meaning white space we're meaning space that allows the eye to breathe so you could have camel space or purple space but it's space that doesn't have clutter in it and space that allows the eye to breathe and that that space says a lot about your professionalism it says a lot about your design skills that's one of the biggest things that I teach my students is to leave space because that instantly ups the professionalism of a graphic it's crazy how much our minds just automatically understand these things from looking at a graphic like if you know nothing about design and you saw a professional looking graphic you're not consciously thinking ah this is a professional graphic because I've used these fonts and this white space and blah 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 you just automatically understand that and so as business owners we need to create our business graphics 
to play along with that. Thank you so much for sharing info around that. It's super practical and helpful. Okay, so last question before we share a little bit more about you. What are the design mistakes that you see made most, most made? I'll be honest, there are a few (laughs) and people get really scared because they're like, oh, Jackie's judging me, but I'm not judging you. I'm just thinking, oh, we could improve this. You know, this is going to help your business. Can I also say, like, I have been guilty of so many of these before. And I, I think, you know, that like there was not a program like Jackie's in the market when I first started and I wish there was, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And I was DIYing my own stuff and I look back at it now, especially after some of the things that you've taught me. And I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) Oh gosh. So everything you're about to share, I feel like I've done it at some point or another. So anyone that's listening, I'm right there with you. And that's the thing though, is, is we all have space to learn. And like you've said in other podcast episodes, it's we start somewhere. If, you, if you're just waiting to perfectionism to put yourself out there, you're not going to get anywhere and do anything at all. You're going to be so like scared. So if you're making these mistakes, don't stress. It's okay. You can just improve from here on out as much as you can. Um, the first mistake I like to teach about is that your customers don't understand the value you provide. So by this, I mean, you're not communicating well through your graphics because design isn't about prettiness. It's about communication. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we can do this, where can we can share our message with our audience is by using a design principle I like to call hierarchy. And this is all about taking your customers on a journey. And so like, say you've got a a social media post and you're hosting an event next week on how to do bullet journaling, then you have to take your audience on a journey when they look at that graphic. You don't want to make the price the biggest point of that graphic. You don't want to make the date the biggest point of that graphic. You want to make bullet journaling the largest piece of text on that graphic. And then you want to take your audience on a journey through that graphic. You want to tell them their why of why should I want to learn bullet journaling. Then you want to take them to the date. If they can't come to the date, they don't care about the price. So then you take them to the date and then you take them to the price. And if all that sounds good to them, you put forward your website address so they can make an action from that. So taking your audience on a journey is really important. And often sometimes we don't think about that when we're, when we're doing a graphic. It can be as simple, even just graphics, like a quote graphic. What's the thing you want to capture people's attention with the most? If your quote's about productivity, make the word productivity the largest point of that graphic. It's all about the hierarchy and the journey we're taking people on. So, so yeah, that's a mistake I see people making a lot is they're not thinking about the customer journey visually through their graphics. And it means that people aren't understanding what you're saying because they're either scrolling past it because it doesn't seem relevant to them. Like if I saw a graphic with the price point really big, I would scroll past. But if I saw a graphic with bullet journaling, I'd be like, oh, I'm interested in bullet journaling. I'm going to pause and have a look at this graphic and be taken on that journey and understand what the heck this person is talking about. So that's the first thing is thinking about hierarchy and, and sharing your journey. The second point I like to share with people is not to overwhelm your audience. And so this comes back to what we're talking about before, Ali, with the space. Um, I think sometimes we feel like we have to put so much text on a graphic because we have so much to say, but that's not doing you justice all the time. It's not doing you good. So what I teach is to cull down your text and then think about what do you want people's attention to grab with? So it kind of combines the hierarchy thing we just mentioned as well. So 
if you've got a graphic, say you're promoting that bullet journaling event, some people would put a heading of bullet journaling and then write a paragraph worth of text about why they should bullet journal, the beautiful venue, the blah, 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 the blah, 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 blah. But people aren't going to read that unless they're wildly invested in you and your business. So what you need to do is keep it really simple. Stop saying so much. Stop overwhelming people. Put the key information. Save the rest for the caption um, or don't write it at all. Like some text I get for like a flyer, I'm like, no one's going to read all this. Like, do you not understand? Um, we need to we need to cull this down really short. And if someone wants to learn more, they then go to your website or they give you a phone call or they email you. Like you give them the bare basics and then you create your design around that. Um, you tell a story with it. You help yourself as well because when, when I get given a big slab of text to design for a client, I get so overwhelmed myself and I'm a designer. And so for anyone that's DIYing their graphics, if you put all this expectation on yourself to design this graphic that's got all this text in it, say you're advertising a course or an event and you're like, I want to put all of this on this graphic, it's going to be so overwhelming for you. You're going to probably give up before you even start. So a benefit of culling down your text and getting straight to the point is that it's going to be so much easier to design. It's going to feel more natural. It's going to feel much less overwhelming and it's going to be so much easier to create that hierarchy because you're not having to decide the importance of so many thousands of pieces of little text. <laughs> so good. Thank you so much for sharing those. Super practical and actionable, which is what I love most. Okay, so... Can you share with us a little bit about your program, how people who might be listening right now who are going, I have absolutely no idea about design, but design sounds expensive. A rebrand sounds expensive because ultimately, you know, before I throw over to you, I just want to say it can be expensive if you're outsourcing that. And my personal recommendation in the early years of your business is not to outsource that piece of work because there are so many really key revenue generating activities that we need to spend money on. And if you have the opportunity to DIY your design, then I really recommend that you do. So how can, how can we do that? Tell us more. Yeah. So I definitely agree with that. It's good design. Like you could get a really cheap logo for $50, but that isn't going to have thought about your whole brand. It's not going to have considered you and your audience and your messaging. So to have a good design for not the price of a, a designer is great to really DIY yourself. And so I like to encourage people to think about if you're wanting to start your business or you're wanting to support your business, you're going to need a logo. You're going to need um, your social media graphics. You're going to need your website design, your Facebook cover, maybe a business card. There's so many different things you need. Plus social media, you've got a post, maybe a post a day or two posts a week, whatever that is. That's a hundred dollars a post. That's adding up very, very quickly to have someone design. And we know the design is important, so we don't want to just fudge it up ourselves <laughs> too much and, and really ruin it. And so that's what I love doing is teaching business owners how they can really get the basis of doing good design well themselves, not just giving them templates and saying, change this to be like you, because we know that's not going to stand out. It's going to be based on other people's stuff. So teaching them the design foundations around hierarchy and balance and white space and things like that, teaching them how to choose fonts that um, help to portray their, their message and to subtly communicate with their audience before they say anything, how to create the graphics that you need to move your business forward, to create that opt-in PDF that you need to make and not, and not just have it as a blank kind of Word document that you tried to, like opt-ins are hard to design, but I want I help people with that or social media posts and kind of 
like we talked about at the start of giving you the skills to do that stuff really well and really quickly so that you can spend your time and your money on the important stuff for your business that's going to really move the needle. Um, but the design is then going to support you with that um, because it's so interesting. Yeah, if we're not investing in design at all and we're just like putting up the first thing that pops into our head, we're going to lose so much connection with our audience, so much professionalism, and so much communication, like if we're not thinking about the hierarchy in the space, people aren't going to want to read our graphics at all. They're not going to want to have anything to do with your product or service, maybe unless they're a referral. And so we want to make sure that we're using design really well. And so, yeah, I've got a course, DIY Design My Biz, that teaches people how to do all that stuff. Um, it gives them support. We've got a Facebook group. And we've got monthly calls. These monthly calls, we had one of these last week and I had some students jump on and they shared me with their designs and I edited some of their designs and just like, you could tweak this or do that. But overall, this is looking so great. You've learned, you've taken this principle and you've done that. It's just such a great feeling of watching my students thrive like that. But then also being able to help them because some people are like, oh, Jackie, having lifetime access to this course and doing monthly calls, that's a lot of effort for you. I'm like, you don't realize how much this lights me up. Like it's so incredible watching people and being able to support them longer term because as we said, our businesses are hopefully for life or until we retire. And so I want to make sure that I'm supporting people throughout their growth um, and then watching a lot of them hire their own designer because their business is growing to the point where they can afford that, but then still doing their own social media posts because they know what the heck they're doing and they can do a good job of it. <laughs> so good. So good. Thank you so much for sharing that. And if we want to know more, where can we find out about it? Yes. So I've got a page that you guys can all go to. It's at whitedeer.com.au forward slash hangout. And there you can find everything you need to know about me, about the course. And on there, I'll even link a PDF that's going to be seven mistakes you're making when you DIY your own graphics. And that's going to go into five more mistakes other than the two I talked about on here as well. So there's lots of stuff to dig your teeth into. And hopefully I can see inside the course because we've got a pretty cute little community. Um, and I would love to have some newbies joining. So good. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I love you. I love your work. I am so grateful to have you as part of my world and supporting Swift Ventures and Team Swift with everything design. I learned so much from you and your work. And um, I just highly, highly recommend for anyone who doesn't have a design, doesn't even know what a style guide is, jump <laughs> on over to that handle. We'll pop it in the show notes. I will look after you well. Thank you, Ali. It's been such a blast to speak to you and your audience. So good. Mm -hmm.